Welcome to It's a Crime, I'm Linda and today we're going to be talking about JJ Vallow and Tylee Ryan. I'm going to share a little more insight about them and also dive in a little deeper as to where the heck these kids may be, whether they are in hiding or if they are no longer with us. And that's the biggest debate, isn't it? But children just don't go missing. They have to be somewhere. The question is, where? But before I get into it, if you want to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button and hit that notification bell so you can be notified of my next upcoming videos because there's going to be a lot of them. Give a like if you do support this video and share this video where you can. With that being said, let's get into it. I'd like to first start with Tylee Ryan. As I'm starting to notice a few more things with Tylee and I wanted to see a little bit more about who she was and what could have happened or explore that anyway. Tylee was officially last seen on September 8th, 2019. Now we are not sure if that's actually the missing date or not, but that's the last proof that anybody has that she was alive. And September 8th, they took a trip to Yellowstone National Park. It was Lori, JJ, Tylee, and their uncle Alex. And according to the authorities and the FBI, they took Alex's truck. On that trip that day. And looking at pictures of JJ and Tylee, you can see that Tylee is like a protector for JJ. And it does match up with how people see Tylee. Her older brother Colby even said that Tylee almost took a second role as a mother to JJ and even would butt heads and challenge Charles on how to parent JJ. And also in a clip with Tylee and her friend, Tylee says, are you taking a video of my child? Are you taking a video of my child? Your child? My child. You thought. And Tylee would have only been around 12 years old when Charles and Lori adopted JJ. She looked out for him. And after Charles was killed in July and Lori decided to move to Rexburg, Tylee didn't want to move to Rexburg. She had her friends in Gilbert, Arizona, and she just didn't want to go. But she did end up going because she had to look after JJ, or she felt that way. And Colby described Tylee as feisty, she's funny, she has a very dry humor, she's so strong and sweet and she's been growing into her own. He says she has really stepped up, she's so strong and I miss her, I miss being around her. Now going back to the Yellowstone Park picture, if you look at it, this picture really stuck out to me. Not only is it the last day that Tylee was seen, but look at the look on her face. She's not happy, almost defiant, like ticked off or something in this picture. And I wonder if she even wanted to be there that day, you know? Like she just looks like, take the picture, whatever. And that was September 8th, which was a Sunday. And it's a two and a half hour drive from Rexburg to Yellowstone Park, which I believe this is around at Old Faithful from what my subscribers have been telling me. So thank you for giving me that info. So maybe Lori decided to do something on a Sunday, whether it was nefarious or not. It doesn't seem though in this picture that Lori finds JJ to be a zombie though, does it? Not yet anyway. And I do wonder, was this on the way to somewhere? Or was this just a planned trip to go to Yellowstone and then come home? 
because JJ actually did have school that next day, which would have been the 9th of September on a Monday, and JJ would be going back for another couple weeks of school before he goes missing. And from the looks of it, it seems like Tylee had to keep Lori's behavior in check as well. In the police body cam the day that Charles got killed, we can see Lori talking to the police officers and she's super happy. And at some point you hear Lori turn and say, what, or something like that to Tylee. She says something dumb and then Tylee either looks at her or said something to her because she just kind of looked like, what? But also I think this because in the body cam before this, when Lori and Tylee were at the police station and Lori's purse was stolen. You can see Tylee a few times trying to control the situation as well with her hands, you know, touching her mom's hand and also saying a few things. So it's kind of a role reversal, isn't it? I mean, she's the daughter, not the mom, right? So I wonder how Tylee felt. Was she feeling like she has to watch her mom's moves because she says stupid things and does stupid things? And, you know, she has to take care of her mom and she has to take care of JJ too. So it's an interesting dynamic from, in my opinion. So they all moved to Rexburg in September. And at the end of August, Lori makes a pit stop to go see Colby and let him know that she's moving. But she doesn't say that she's actually moving to Rexburg. And Colby didn't know that according to his interviews. So they stop and see him on August 29th. On August 30th, Colby FaceTimes Tylee, and that was the last time he got to talk to her. Well, officially talk to her because after that it was through texts and Colby said it didn't seem like that was from Tylee. Now let's talk about the nanny from Rexburg for a second and what Lori tells the nanny about Tylee. Lori hires a nanny from care.com and on September 18th she comes over and first visits JJ. And Lori tells her that Tylee is going to school at BYU in Rexburg, but we know that's a lie because there's no documentation or records of Tylee going to BYU. And the nanny also explained that she saw Tylee come by to do laundry or for dinner, but didn't seem to live there. Now, my question is, if the nanny's first time was September 18th and Tylee went missing on the 8th, how could the nanny possibly have seen Tylee do laundry and come over for dinner if Tylee was missing? Or is this a case that the nanny thought Tylee was somebody else? Because that's a 10-day gap from the 8th to the 18th, right? Tylee's birthday was then on September 24th and Colby reaches out to Tylee saying, hey, happy birthday, this was a couple days later. And he gets some texts back, but he says that her response is typically not how Tylee would answer and he's talking about this in a Dr. Phil interview. Then in October, Tylee's Venmo account was used twice and Colby explained that his mom would use the Venmo account to send him money. He said, my mom is not tech savvy, so Tylee's account for Venmo was the account she used to transfer money to us. Also in October, Tylee's friend receives a text from Tylee and says it doesn't seem like it's coming from her either. And the text said, hi, miss you guys too, love ya. And the friend says that she spelled out her words for the most part, which was odd, 
And plus she would have texted more if I reached out. So she is saying it's weird and so is Colby at this point. And her friend also described Tylee as an awesome friend and is so smart and sassy. I can't wait to find her. And even Colby asked Tylee, hey, like I'd like to FaceTime you. And she sends texts back saying, you know, I can't right now, couldn't talk on the phone and just kind of avoided the situation. That makes it pretty sketchy. Now, witnesses report hearing Lori saying that Tylee died a few years ago, so that's also not good. And Tylee's phone was found with Lori in Hawaii, along with her and JJ's birth certificates. And the other thing is that there was items in the storage unit that Lori rented, and that was the kids. So why keep the things in the storage unit if the kids are gone for good? you know, mementos, or why would she even keep that stuff? And why keep Tylee's phone, right? To keep the farce going, like what what was the motive there? Why would she keep it? So let's just talk a little bit about JJ now, and then I'll get into the pattern. The last day JJ was seen at school was on September 23rd, 2019. And that's the day before Tylee's 17th birthday. And it's a Monday. Now, Lori tells JJ's school on Tuesday the 24th, the same day as Tylee's birthday, that he's no longer going to be going to school and she's going to homeschool him from then on. And for those of you who don't know, Tylee was homeschooled and she was already graduated at this point. So what's weird is why is JJ going to school on a Monday and then she pulls him on the Tuesday? Like, did something happen at school? Did something happen in Lori's life? Like, why all of a sudden and why on a Monday? Because if you were planning on homeschooling, you'd probably finish out the week and then and then decide to, right? In my opinion, I don't know. But Monday he goes to school and then poof, nope, not anymore, and then he's gone. What do you think? I'd be curious what you guys think. Let me know in the comments below. And I'm also curious if Lori took a little trip on Tuesday. And there's a lot of talk about JJ's medication and his service dog and people think, no, he's not alive because of these things. But I do want to talk about this a bit. JJ's medication is important, yes, but it's not critical. The same for his service dog. People who have autism are all different and have all different unique needs. Each person is unique. And Although it's really difficult for some kids to cope and there are kids who tend to run off and kids have trouble sleeping, a service dog isn't given to every kid, right? And parents have to cope with the best they can if they don't have a service dog. Charles got the service dog for JJ and it was a huge part of JJ's life and it helped him. It absolutely did help him. But it's not life dependent. As for JJ's meds, he was on something called Risperidone, and it is an antipsychotic medication. It's often prescribed to kids with autism to help with anxiety, to help with aggression, um, a whole bunch of things, irritability. And Lori had his bottle of his medication, but it was from January 2019, so almost a year before, right? Nine months before. And we don't know at this point 
if there was any other prescriptions refilled. The authorities said there wasn't, but maybe Charles had filled this prescription. We don't know. And this medication obviously could be very helpful, and it was helpful to JJ, but again, not life-dependent. So I just want to rewind a little bit and take you through a mini timeline because Charles was killed on July 11th, like we know, and Lori thought she was getting a million dollars in Charles's life insurance policy. She calls a day or two later and finds out that, nope, she's not getting it. And then she ends up finding down the road that it's Kay who actually got it, JJ's grandmother, and she would be getting the money. And at the end of July, Lori contacts Kay and through text and she's super choked because she finds out the money's going to her and not Lori. And in my opinion, this is where the hissy fit starts. It starts with Lori and she starts using JJ as a little pawn in her game. And we already know she's super vindictive, this woman. Because July 29th, she texts Kay about the money and oh you got the money and not me blah 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 and then on the 9th of august jj's service dog is posted up for sale for twenty five hundred dollars and the trainer actually catches wind and sees this ad and says no you can't do that you need to return the dog back to the trainer and we already know that Lori is vindictive, right? She pulls all kinds of things earlier in the year with Charles and canceling his flight when he's due to come home from a business trip and moving his truck when he actually gets to the parking lot and the list goes on and on. Then the next day on August 10th, it's the last time that JJ's grandparents get to FaceTime JJ. And it was under a minute long. I don't even think it was 30 seconds long. And they said it was really weird because JJ usually runs around the house and talks to them and, you know, they just chit chat. But this time was different. He stayed in one spot and they said it was almost like somebody held a sign for him to read. They just said it was really weird and it's as if he was coached. Then at the end of August, as I mentioned earlier, they saw Colby, said they were going to move, didn't mention Rexburg. And the next day after that, on August 30th, Bailey, the service dog, is picked up by the trainer. Now, imagine that day. JJ's dog that he loves so much is taken away from him. And I can't even imagine the look on his little face that his dog is being taken away. And your best friend's gone, and a month before your dad's dead, or I mean killed, and I wonder what lie Lori actually told JJ about his dog. So off to Rexburg they go, and by September 3rd, it's JJ's first day of school in Rexburg at a school that isn't even remotely the same as his specialized school that he went to in Arizona. And speaking of that old school, it was September 5th that Lori withdrew JJ from the school via email and phone and that school was called the Life Academy. Now, three days later, at the end of the school week, they go to Yellowstone Park, and it's the day that Tylee's last seen. And what I wonder is, if they were planning on killing Tylee, why make the move to Idaho with her? They get, get there, and then a week later, then they decide to kill her? Like, why then, right? So then on Monday, September 23rd, JJ goes to school. And by Tuesday, the 24th, 
he gets yanked out of school and is said to be homeschooled from then on. And that's the last time anyone has seen JJ. Now the question is, why would Lori send an email and disenroll JJ officially instead of just, whoops, the kids are missing and that's it? Like, why would she actually go to the trouble of disenrolling him in there? Maybe to cover tracks? I don't know. Again, let me know in the comments. And Lori told the babysitter that JJ was with his grandmother for a few weeks so she wouldn't need her services anymore. And Lori told the authorities that JJ was actually with a friend, namely Melanie Gibb, back in Arizona. And when authorities went and checked in on this, they couldn't get a hold of Melanie. They went back and talked to Lori, and Lori said, oh, yeah, no, the reason why you can't talk to them is because they're at a Frozen 2 movie, so that's why you can't. And Melanie calls the authorities back and lets them know that both Lori and Chad actually at separate times had asked them to lie for them about the whereabouts of JJ and Melanie said no. And when Chad was searching in Hawaii for places, he actually emailed a homeowner and he said that they were looking for a place and that they had no minor children. So red flags all over the place, right? And Chad's family said that they were told that Lori didn't have any minor children either. But Chad did tell authorities that he saw JJ in October. So which one is it, Chad? Now on November 26th, the welfare check gets called in for JJ and by November 27th, authorities go back with a search warrant and Chad and Lori are MIA and they decide to head to Hawaii. And while they're in Hawaii, I mentioned how Lori has Tylee's phone and birth certificate. Well, she also has JJ's iPad and his birth certificate as well. The weird thing is though, is the birth certificates are actually in the rental car, like with her. So I find that super weird. Why are you carrying their stuff? Either you have it in a safe spot in your suitcase, but why do you have it in the rental car in the glove box? I find that weird or in general with her. So here's where it gets interesting. She begins logging into JJ's previous school on this app at the Life Academy. And it's an app called Blooms and it's quite the app. It actually helps teachers communicate with the parents and they share what they're doing in class. They can talk about their behavior. It's, it's a really cool app. It says, Blooms is the parent-teacher communication app that helps keep everyone informed with two-way messaging, calendar integrations, class updates, and more. All these features have helped Blooms be recognized as one of the best parent-teacher school communication apps. So Lori, while she's in Hawaii, logs in on December 9th. And this is the day before Chad and Lori officially move into their new Hawaii place. She logs on December 20th on January 8th, on January 31st, and February 4th she logs in again. Then she's arrested at the end of February also and there's no logins and they cut off access. But she's super active in December and January and part of February. So the first thing I thought of is why? If the kids are gone, why is she logging into this app? One of the interesting features I found was two-way messaging. And so I thought, well, maybe she's communicating with somebody in there, right? 
And I did wonder if somehow she was logging in to get the school curriculum, you know, daily or weekly and keep JJ going in school and homeschooling. Just like she mentioned, he's going to be homeschooled. Now, this is what makes me wonder if JJ was actually hidden and not something worse because why do this, right? I'll get to more in a minute. It's not like she could fake that she was homeschooling JJ from Life Academy because the authorities would have found that out. So I also thought, well, Tylee was homeschooled and knows how to do it, so maybe Tylee was homeschooling JJ and logging in, even though she's missing, but maybe somewhere they're getting the curriculum and homeschooling them. Could be far-fetched, I don't know. But then I started looking for patterns and lo and behold, I found one. Lori logs into this app a day or two after something important happens. Check this out. On December 6th, law enforcement serves a search warrant to JJ's Old School Life Academy in Gilbert, Arizona. Three days later, on December 9th, Lori starts logging in. On December 20th, Law enforcement officially announced the investigation into the disappearance of JJ and Tylee, and that same day, Lori logs into the app. On January 7th, Larry and Kay Woodcock announced the $20,000 reward for the kids. The next day on the 8th, Lori logs into the app. On January 30th, that is the official day that Lori hasn't produced her children. And the next day, another logon into the app. Then on February 4th, law enforcement receives records from Life Academy that Lori continued to get access to that app and kept logging in. And that same day, Lori accessed the app. That same day as well, her access gets cut off. Super interesting pattern. I don't believe it's a coincidence and it matches up with important dates. Now, Ian Pulowski, Melanie Boudreaux's new husband, wrote that Melanie told him that she was concerned that Alex might have had something to do with the disappearance of JJ and Tylee. And it says, Melanie had been told by Chad and Lori that their children had been possessed and had become zombies. She shared concerns that she's been told Brandon Boudreaux needed to die and that may indicate that Tylee and JJ needed to die as well. She told me she was worried that Al may have had to take care of the kids. She explained that Al had great faith and never wavered in his trust in the Lord. No task would be too difficult or great for him. So here's where the zombie things come in. And at this point, we don't put anything past Lori and Chad, right? Crazy things have happened. Alex died, Tammy died, kids are missing, potentially dead as well. And their beliefs are so left field that they believe they're gods and people are becoming zombies and just all these crazy things. Now, another thing that I'm questioning is why wasn't there ever a search party? Yes, it was two months after they saw the kids, but Evelyn Boswell was missing for two months and there was search parties done. I've never heard of search parties being done at all. Have you? So it's not looking so good and things are heating up with Chad and Lori as they're getting into trouble and being investigated for conspiracy of murder, murder, and attempted murder. And 
they just need to say where the kids are unless they can't because they're no longer anywhere. Now, if you do have information, you can contact the FBI and also the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-THE-LOST. And let's have a chit chat below and talk about this and especially the new pattern. I would love to hear your thoughts. That is super interesting. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. Give it a like and share this out where you can. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.